0: Hey, welcome back everybody, time again for another episode of Living Hope, our weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With our host, sniffling along today here, a little bit of a sniffle in the air, it's that time of year we're supposed to be happy and instead we all got cold and we're all stressed out. What do you say, Roberta Luna?
1: Thank you, Paul. Thanks for explaining the deep voice and maybe the sniffle <laughs> here and there. Um, but yeah, i really, really careful, so I don't know how this cold came about, but it's fine. We'll deal with it.
0: <laughs> I had stomach flu last week. I'm, I'm double vaccinated and flu vaccinated and everything, and I still got snuck through. Is it just the stress of the holidays that stresses us out and gets to us? I sometimes think so.
1: Possibly, like I said, I've been very careful, mask, watch where I'm going, the whole nine yards and, well, it's just a cold, so it's not bad. I'm glad I didn't have what you (laughs) had.
0: Yeah. Well, who do you have with you today?
1: Thank you. Today, our special guest is Courtney Sparkle. Mm -hmm. Courtney is a licensed clinical social worker at UCI Health, Irvine Health, working in the Comprehensive Digestive Disease Center. Courtney provides supportive counseling and research connection to patients with IBD, Colorectal cancer disease, liver and pancreatic cancer disease. Um, Courtney is also a Pancreatic Cancer Action Network patient champion. A patient champion is a healthcare professional who shares PanCan's resources with pancreatic cancer patients. Thank you, Courtney, for being a patient champion and for being our guest today.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is an honor. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, thank you. I'm I'm just really happy to have you and really happy to talk to you today. We have a lot and want to try to cover. Very short time to do it, so I'll try to do my best. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself before we get started?
2: Of course. You know, as you mentioned, I'm a social worker here at UCI Medical Center and our uh, Comprehensive Digestive Disease Center. So I provide some uh, crisis counseling and short-term therapy for our patients here, some additional support in managing the non-medical needs that come along with a cancer diagnosis or, uh, you know, chronic disease diagnosis. And then I provide resources and community link linkages to support groups and you know, counseling and things of that nature.
1: Oh, thank you. And why did you become a social worker in this field?
2: Hmm. Well, I really was a, a kind of circumstance of uh, having a lot of luck, being in the right place, right time and uh, was able to cover this position in a per diem capacity and got to meet patients and really uh, introduced me to the world of pancreatic cancer and a lot of these other diseases that I work with. And I just haven't looked back. Um, you know, I think there's just so much growth, you know, in terms of research, um, but also the people I've met have been really inspirational to me and help inspire me to do what I do and uh, teach me a lot. So every day is a new challenge, but also a new gift. <laughs>
1: oh, well, thank you. I know this can't be an easy profession, and especially in our support group with dealing with pancreatic cancer, we've lost many survivors um, mm-hmm. since we started this. I think we are we going on three years now. the support group. It we are,
2: yes, three years. It was November 2018. We we started our first
1: one. we, we count after with the pandemic kind of interfering a little bit, but you guys yeah. had problems connecting and getting with Zoom, but getting back to like i said we we have lost a lot of survivors in in our group how do you cope with the losses
2: mm. it doesn't get easier that's for sure um, self care i think is is so important for us all and to be able to acknowledge the grief you know within myself with each loss is important and using the support that's available to me and sometimes just really allowing that space you know to have grief, to be sad, um, and know that I'm not alone in that, unfortunately. There's a whole community that's inspiring and supportive, you know, whether you're still fighting, whether, you know, you have a family member, you know, who has passed, et cetera.
1: It's difficult when we lose them because they become part of our family, but,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
1: at the same time, that inspires me or helps me give the fuel to continue the fight, though, I really don't need any reminders. I think, you know, we've all been through it and we know what we need to be doing. But mm-hmm. thank you for your honesty in sharing that. I know it is difficult. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leads me to the, my next question, actually, is because I've received many requests when people mm-hmm. found out that you were going to be on the show today. And it's kind of, I guess, it can be a kind of a heavy subject, but I want to kind of get through it and then we can move on. Mm-hmm. But You know, the, the holidays are usually a time of joy and family gathering and making happy memories. Can be very emotional and stressful when dealing with the reality of death. Okay. Any any suggestions you have for caregivers how to deal with because many of us are going through where we have our loved ones with us now, but this is going to be the last Christmas or the last holiday that we have with them. Is there any special any, any advice or any anything you can give to people that are facing this right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, especially when you're looking at this being the the last Christmas, you know, first. Um, And foremost, acknowledging that there may be a lot of expectations surrounding that, especially from family members and caregivers of what you hope it would be, you know, being the the last one. I think it's important to be able to scale that down a bit and really try to be in the moment, you know, focus on, you know, what traditions are most important to you that make it feel like the holidays that you all can still engage in without it being too exhausting emotionally or otherwise. And being able to focus on that. Um, it can be a real time to not have to deal with a lot of the extra expectations that come along with the holidays, right? You have uh, more focus on what's meaningful for you as, as a family. I think legacy work can be really helpful too. Um, that looks different for everyone. There's really no right or wrong, but in acknowledging, you know, the impermanence of life and being able to of lean into it a bit and use this time to you know write meaningful letters or do a video diary, um, you know put things together that um, help reflect on the meaning of your life and the meaning of your relationships and something you can give back you know to your family members, your caregivers that they can enjoy you know for future Christmases without you.
1: Yeah, it is difficult, and you know you want to you want to make it the best you can, but sometimes that stress can really come together in other problems and issues. Mm-hmm. I've had people also that want to know, how do you deal with the holidays when you've lost somebody, whether it's a recent loss or a loss, you know, 20 years ago or whatever the time frame. Each holiday, you know, each time can be different. One holiday or, or Christmas can be fine and no problems and another one can just really hit you really hard. What Do you have any advice for those that are going through that?
2: Absolutely. You know, I think we talked in the beginning that holidays can be such a joyous time, but they can also... Bring a lot of memories of the past and those aren't always happy, especially when we've lost someone we're close to. Sometimes what's been helpful for people that I've learned from our patients and from our family members here, you know in, in my work is starting new traditions. you know, maybe having holiday dinners uh, was something that was really important to you as a family and decorating the tree. Sometimes people do something totally different and we'll take a cruise or you know go somewhere they haven't been before. And kind of shakes it up a bit and can start new traditions. Maybe there was a place your family member uh, wanted to go to that they didn't have a chance to or was their favorite place they visited again and again. That can be a way to honor them without having those painful reminders of what you would hope you know, would be rather than what is in the moment.
1: Yeah, it is difficult. And I know we started just a favorite dish, like especially my mom's. Mm-hmm. It has to be at every Thanksgiving and every Christmas. It's just yeah. a way to, to keep them part of it. But, you know, at least, you know, we have still have some resemblance and something of them being part of the holiday. But it can be very difficult. Like I said, some years can be really fine and easy and others it's mm-hmm. just like it takes you like a ton of bricks. And I really don't know why. And people ask me that and I don't have... An answer? I don't know if you have an answer to that. or No, no.
2: I, I honestly don't think any of us really do. You know, we don't know when something is going to hit us and why it's more impactful than other times. There's no reason to it because this isn't reason-based. You know, this is love and this is grief and loss and nothing is clear in those times. It's all gray. And being able to acknowledge the feelings that come up no matter what they are, you know, is is important being able to live in that moment. And also when you're speaking to like keeping... The same traditions you know that works for other people as well being able to embrace what works for you is what's important here. you know having an empty seat at the table is going to be really you know helpful and um a way of honoring a family member for some families and for other families is just too hard. so no matter what it is for you, it's important to acknowledge that and and a plan, of, me, plan accordingly.
1: Yeah, I've talked to others who do that. They have the chair at the table with the full place setting and whatnot. And sometimes some people say they they go ahead and serve that dish and others leave it. So it's like you say, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's what really gets you through. And that's the best answer for you. Mm -hmm. Being a caregiver is stressful in general, but even more so during the holidays. And you talked about a little bit about um, Mm self-care. What can caregivers do for themselves? So they or you know, you have to, you have to take care of yourself so that you can take mm-hmm. care of, your, you know, the person that you're there to help through this, this, this disease. So what advice or what things can caregivers do to take care of themselves?
2: Mm-hmm. Excellent question. Uh, it really, the answer comes in all different ways. You know, one can be connecting with other caregivers, you know, like with a support group to get some guidance from people who understand. And other things can be, uh, you know, simple and advice, but kind of hard to practice, like knowing when to say no and, and setting boundaries. You know, maybe you host a dinner for 30 people typically, but this year it's, it's just too much with everything else. Being able to, you know, honor yourself and take care of yourself and practice that self care can be the greatest form of, of love, you know, for yourself and love for who you're caring for. So being able to know that that's going to be tough you know, but it gets easier with some time and practice. And as I mentioned, you know, before picking maybe one or two, you know, traditions to focus on as a family can be helpful or doing things different. I like to talk about embracing kind of shortcuts too for holidays, especially now with COVID that's given us some additional uh, options like with Zoom parties or drive-through Christmas lights or picking up ready-made holiday meals at your favorite restaurants. You know, being able to know when things need to be a little more simple and when you want to focus that kind of emotional energy and start on things that are meaningful for you.
1: Yeah, and I have a lot of um, caregivers that tell me, like you say, don't be afraid to say no, mm-hmm. but they are afraid to say no, and they're also afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So what can others do maybe to help the caregiver I know they always, you know, one of the famous things we always say is, well, let me know what I can do to help you. Uh And I think that is really the wrong answer, especially for me, because I'm not good at asking for help. Um, So what is a better way maybe to approach a caregiver and find out what it is they need Instead of saying, let me know what you need or how I can help.
2: Right. That's the passive offer, the passive, let me know, but don't call on me. (laughs) Or let me know and call on me, but then it's hard for that person to... Really step out of their comfort zone. When you're used to juggling everything on your own, it's, it's very difficult to ask for help. So as someone who's supporting a caregiver, being as clear as you can and assertive without being forceful. So rather than the, let me know if you need anything, dot, 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 it could be helpful. Say, I'm going to bring dinner over two nights this week, which days work for you? You know, or I know that, think of Christmas lights again, for whatever reason. <laughs> I know you see Christmas lights every year. Um, so let me know. And uh, we can do like a, you know, a caravan or something. And I'll I'll pick them up and, you know, drive, drive them myself and uh, be able to take something off of off of your plate, being able to offer kind of a concrete example can let be easier for that person to accept or say, thank you. But actually, this other thing would be really helpful and uh, i can help start the conversation a bit more than that let me know kind of offer
1: yeah it is very hard but it's like you know i think you feel it's like when i say you know let me know what i can do to help i mean it but you're trying not to i think step on their toes because yeah sometimes you don't know like say the personality of the person you're dealing with um, mm-hmm. but i'm not the best at asking for help and it's not that i don't want it it's just I think you feel like you don't want to impose on others. Right. So, I don't know. Is there something as caregivers or as other family members we can do to make that ask a little easier? Like I know you just went into some things, but like maybe offering to take the kids somewhere or pick up the kids or you know, it's like, how far do we push it? Or how far do we know when is that right time and what we should do with it?
2: Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm following. Yeah, it is it is hard to know because you aren't with that person day in, day out. You don't know their routine, you don't know their preferences, sometimes even the ins and outs of their personality. But I think being able to kind of preface your offer with, you know, I really want to help and be there for you. Um, how does this idea sound? Just throwing something out there and then making a safe place for that person to share back with you. Yes, that's something that works for me or no, it's not something that works for me.
1: Um, I just got a, a message. Somebody asked if we could um, describe actually what a caregiver is. I'm sorry, I probably should have done that early on. So would you mind going into that just a little bit?
2: Sure. I mean, a caregiver comes in all forms, shapes, and and sizes. It looks like different things. It can be a spouse. It can be, you know, a, a family member who lives in the home. It can be someone who just helps out and driving to and from appointments. You know, oftentimes people have more than just one caregiver usually they'll have kind of a primary and that's usually what we think about when we say caregiver but really it comes uh, in in all different ways you know it can be family friends uh whoever assists in the you know medical and uh you know emotional care of that person
1: in some ways, I even think of my um, Instacart as my caregiver
2: because there you of, go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're keeping me from having to go to the grocery store, which I really do appreciate, especially right now. So, um, mm-hmm. right and, yeah, they come in different shapes and sizes and mm-hmm. you know, from the neighbor that just wants to take the trash cans out for you or bring them back. Right.
2: So, um, That's an excellent really, example. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's really, it
1: can be a vast and and different, so different. Dealing with like meal times and and family gatherings and stuff do you think it's a good idea for caregivers to talk with their survivor their patient and find out a schedule and set a schedule or um, is that something again that just kind of varies from family to family just play it by ear or is it best to maybe try to have some sort of schedule especially when visiting because you know Mm -hmm. you're fighting cancer and if you're doing chemo or not you can tire very easily
2: Mm -hmm.
1: those are the best ways to go or is there an answer there?
2: You mean sorry, I'm I'm not sure I'm I'm following. You mean sorry (laughs) between the like patient and caregiver, or caregiver and people who are wanting to come in and offer.
1: I think the the patient and caregiver should they sit down and maybe make up a schedule or a plan for the holidays or.
2: Yeah, I, I think being able to kind of eliminate a lot of the unknown can be helpful, but also. You know, it's, it's hard to adhere to a schedule, especially like during meal times. You know, if you're going through active treatment and, and you're sick and have, you know, poor appetite or nausea or what have you, a lot of things can happen. So it can be helpful to have at least a tentative schedule and a shared expectation, you know, between patient and caregiver of, you know, what we're expecting things to meet to be, but also allowing some room for flexibility if something does need to change. If we are focused, you know, so much on a schedule, of course, that can bring its own stress if things aren't, you know, going to plan.
1: Are there any resources or you mentioned a support group for caregivers other than I know, like I said, UCI has an excellent support group. Um, I know it's mostly intended for survivors, but caregivers attend that as well, which I think is great because we Mm -hmm. learn a lot from them as well. Mm -hmm. But is there a support group or, you know, anything, resources for caregivers
2: out there? There are. So in Orange County, there's something called the Orange County Caregiver Resource Center. And some surrounding counties have their own programs as well. And they have support groups. It's, of course, not specific to pancreatic cancer, uh, which, of course, is its own world. um, But there is a lot of helpful information you can get from those um, support groups. They have classes. um, They have case managers who can help in uh, kind of reviewing available resources that are in the community and kind of matching them to you for uh, like respite care for uh, our folks with Medi-Cal or CalOptima insurance here in Orange County, or Medi-Cal in other counties, there's a program called In Home Supportive Services, and they will pay uh, caregivers for what they call custodial care, um, which helps to bring in a little, you know, a bit of an income for the work you're already doing. Or you can use that as respite, um, and even hire a private caregiver to help out, you know, a few hours, uh, you know, a week or a month to be able to give yourself a bit of a rest as a caregiver. And then there's always, you know, individual talk therapy and family counseling as well that's often through your insurance that you can connect to. And that's immensely helpful and such an important tool, you know, in managing your mental health as a caregiver and you know, as a patient.
1: Thank you. One of the things we talked about, too, is, you know, caregivers taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, being when I took care of my mom and dad, it was it was really difficult to do that because I felt like, for one thing, I had to be there all the time with them and help them and just just to be there. But I've been advised and I've heard people say, you know, caregivers should if you need to take a walk, you need to go to the movies, go to a spa. What are there other suggestions that things that caregivers can do for themselves
2: mm-hmm.
1: that might work that help aromatherapy? I mean, you know, what's out there for them that they can do? Mm-hmm.
2: It's really, you know, different strokes for different folks. You know, what makes you feel um kind of coming back to yourself is how I like to phrase it. You know, for some people that can be going to a spa and getting a massage or going out to see a movie. For others, it's just being able to be by yourself, you know, read a book, take a walk. Uh, I think the harder question to answer would be how to let go of that sense of guilt or taking that time to step away. Um And that's that's very difficult to do. I think being able to acknowledge, you know, again, that your self-care and your ability to take care of yourself is what enables you to be there for others is what enables you to be a caregiver. It's a hard realization to come to and, you know, practice makes perfect. Um, but I think that's a good place to start and giving yourself permission. You know, it's OK. And then those suggestions are going to come a little bit more naturally.
1: Yeah, if we can just get over that, <laughs> that guilt of thinking that it's we a have a process. Yes, it, it is, and it's, it can be very difficult. But, you know, thank you. I think that's a lot of good advice and, you know, suggestions for people, and I hope they will, you know, take that. And we will put some of these resources on the website later, too, that they can go to and help. A little bit about survivors dealing with the holidays. Do you have any advice or suggestions for them?
2: Just in general? Yeah. 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 I think being able to, uh, you know, set those those boundaries and learn, you know, when to say no and that it's okay to say no is important. I know we touched on that already and uh, the shortcuts in terms of focusing on what really is important and kind of letting go of the rest. You know, and that's okay. Uh, trying to stay in the moment, you know, as much as, as you can. Um, and being able to communicate your needs with loved ones and asking for help. I think we talked a lot about a lot of these, uh, you know, already. And I do want to emphasize, uh, you know, just the kind of resource of family and individual talk therapy, uh, because dealing with cancer, whether you're going through it yourself or a loved one uh, is going through it, is incredibly difficult and challenging with Lots of ups and downs, and it stretches us beyond our normal in terms of what we can cope with. And you all deserve that extra support to be able to reach out and have a safe place to process these complex feelings. Um, so I'd encourage uh, everyone to consider that as just part of your part of your self care and being able to reach out and and ask for help.
1: Yeah, it's important, but can be very difficult to do. But I agree. Um, I just had somebody text me a question. Um, the, I guess an issue they're having is you have the caregiver who's trying to take care of the survivor patient, but then you have the patient that is wanting to do things like maybe for the holiday see people and the caregiver is trying to protect that person. Do you have any advice or suggestions for that or how they can deal with that?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. (laughs) That is a tough one. I think communication is really key and being able to have an honest, you know, conversation, you know, with your loved one as to where your concern is coming from. And to be able to make space to hear out, you know, your loved one in terms of their process, you know, it may not be just going through the motions. It may be that some of these things are really, really meaningful and important to them and to know why it's meaningful. And if you need to kind of do it a bit differently to make sure that everybody is safe, then that's something you can brainstorm together. And being able to come to the table with one another and have real clear communication as to... I know where the concern and the motivation is coming from. You can find a, a solution somewhere in the
1: middle. Sometimes we want to protect those that we were, you know, are taking care of. But mm-hmm. I think we need to realize that if they need to see somebody, they need to say goodbye, whatever it is, as hard as it may be for us, we need to honor that and respect it as well. So Absolutely. So. Well, we're getting close to ending our time. And I do appreciate you coming. Any last minute thoughts, suggestions, helpful hints, anything or caregivers, survivors, family members, anything at all that you can think of or want to share?
2: Uh, you know, I think that we talked about a lot of, um, you know, really good tips here, and I uh, will definitely put together um, some of the resources uh, that I touched on so we can share those with folks and go through it at your own pace. Um think if you are um, you or your loved ones getting treatment at uh, UCI or a center that does have social workers, definitely use them. We are great tools for you. <laughs> and can get into kind of the nitty-gritty a bit more than, uh, you know, the time constraint of this podcast. But being able to use uh, support and resources that are available to you uh, can be really helpful and a great tip during the holidays especially.
1: Yeah, thank you, and thank you for putting that together, and we will include that in our summary and on our website so people can have that. I want to thank you, Courtney, for joining us today and talking about this difficult subject sometimes and for your honesty and openness and willing to to share. as far as I know, and the UCI um, is the only support group that dedicates itself only to pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. And as we're doing it, I think we said this will be—I want to say our third year, correct? Third yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Third year in November. Well, it was our third yeah. year. In November. Mm-hmm. So each episode of Living Hope, we dedicate that to somebody or that's been affected by pancreatic cancer, whether it's a survivor, caregiver, researcher, whatever the case might be, and night today I kind of wanted to dedicate living hope to all the survivors and caregivers that I have met along the way in this support group and you as well and April who was um, an RN that started early on with us and just thank you um, for the support that you've given and just for us being able to come together and talk honestly I think I'm probably the veteran or the most experienced survivor attending the meeting
2: (laughs) Most definitely.
1: But, but I learned so much from each one of them, and I mm-hmm. greatly appreciate their openness and willingness to share their journey and to, you know, talk about it. I think it's very important, and I just want to dedicate this episode of Living Hope to all those at the UCI support group, yourself, mm-hmm. like I said, April, all those that we've lost and those that are attending and those that will be attending. It's It's really a great group, and I really look forward to each month, even though I haven't been able to attend as many as I'd like, I hope that will change soon. But thank you very much for being here and for being with us in that support group. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank, oh, thank you.
2: you so much. <laughs> and we meet the first Tuesday every month at 11 o'clock. <laughs>
1: thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. Another great reason, another great resource. Only here on Orange County's only community radio station where we bring you this weekly conversation designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. If you'd like to share your stories or have some tips or ideas, please contact us. We're always looking for good guests, good information to share. And if you or anyone you know needs help like right now, particularly as we make it through the holidays here, there is a place, there is a number, in addition to our guests and their organization, you can call patient services at 8772 and the P A N C A N. That's 877 the number two P A N C A N. to talk to somebody now at the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For all of us here at the Orange County OC Talk Radio Network, thanks for listening. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you on the other side for more episodes of Living Home.